All listeners, prepare for boarding. This is International Lounge. Hello and welcome to International Lounge, your passport to world culture. We explore history, music, film, food, and tales from travelers. So put your tray tables down because it's going to be a smooth ride. This is Captain Abdu speaking along with my flight attendant, Brendan. Hi, everyone. Oh, that was very invigorating greeting for the audience. Thank you for that. <laughs> okay, so today we are flying to Mother Russia. Ooh. Big Mama's house. So let's get to some basic facts about Russia. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, capital of Russia is Moscow. Yep. Russia um, is a population of about 142 and a half million people. Wow. Winston Churchill once described Russia as a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Much like the Russian dolls where it is a, uh, a big, large woman with a tiny woman inside. Right. And an even tinier woman inside of her. The Matryoshka dolls. Yep. Those are... Uh, do you think there's any anatomical origin for that? Uh, no, it seems uh, more more to be a space-saving uh, right, move. Right, yeah, right. there wasn't any sort of a pregnant fetus that uh, gave rise. With other fetuses inside it. Yeah, no, I don't no. think that so. That wouldn't have happened. No, definitely not. Not even in Russia. No. All right, well, uh, glad we've cleared that up for our audience. So, now let me kick off our first segment, okay? And that's going to be a brief time of history. Now... The birth of the Russian state is usually identified with the founding of Novgorod in 862 AD. Um, Eastern Slavs were the ancestors to the Russians. Now, the Slavs' conversion to Christianity in the 9th and 10th centuries was accompanied by the introduction of an alphabet devised by Cyril, a Greek missionary. And, of course, Cyrillic is based on the Greek alphabet. Now, did you did you know that one? I knew that one, yeah. Yeah. If if you look at them, you know, you you can see um, the similarities. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it looks... Slightly identical. Sure. If mm-hmm. um, Greek is a little bit more, Russian kind of looks a lot more blocky. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Greek is a little bit more stylistic. I mean, right. just in the way they're right. written usually. But uh, yeah, you can definitely see that. Interesting. So, do you think there are there sort of Russian frat houses with uh, with Cyrillic writing? I bet you there's not a single Russian frat house. <laughs> there's, there's <laughs> yeah. Really, those would be more gulags. The um, uh, the word for brother in Russian, I believe, is brat. Brat. B-R-A-T. It'd be a braternity house. Oh. Well, that would be... Uh, I, I don't know if the uh, the National Lampoon's people are listening, but surely you have an idea just uh, ready for the picking. They still do? National I think they've uh, been uh, bankrupt for uh, at least a decade. So. <laughs> now, Rus was the name of the dominant Kievan Viking clan. So that's where the name came from, actually, mm. from this Viking clan. So Rus and then you okay. have Russia. Around 1050 AD, Kiev declined and the Russian population shifted northward to the Rostov Sudzal region, which is, of course, northeast of Moscow. You knew that? Uh, I didn't know, but I believe our intelligent audience was aware of that factoid. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So give them some credit. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're not all just uh, blithering fools uh, asking for more peanuts in the aisles. <laughs> All right. Now, what uh, is interesting around this time, you have the, what is known as the Golden Horde. So in 1223, uh, your bad boy Genghis Khan and his forces Ooh. met the armies of the Russian princes and thrashed them at the Battle of the Kalka River. Um, next is Ivan III, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Ivan the Great. Mm-hmm. Make Russia great again. Sure. Um, he's the Grand Prince of Moscow. Uh, best known as the gatherer of the Rus lands. Right, because these are all separate lands. And he kind of, these are all just separate territories. They sort of united. Right, right. When, United when was that? States. Uh, that was in 1478. Right, right. 
And uh, he was so successful, he tripled the territory of his state. And a notable thing he did was he renovated uh, the Moscow Kremlin, which uh, at that time was a fortified complex right in the middle of uh, of Moscow. So the Kremlin, and and right out to the Kremlin, that's is that where you'll have uh, Red Square. Red Square is is right outside the Kremlin. Yeah. All right. And Red Square gets its name from uh, the red delicious apples. I don't know what. Why is it red? Is it red? I believe uh, in back then. Krasnaya Plosha, which is which is the name of it, is Krasnaya means did mean beautiful, uh-huh. and it's just come to mean I think evolved to mean red in the Russian language. So, so it's nothing to do with like communism. So yeah, why is communism? Is there any relation to communism being red? There can't be, right? There's no. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I feel like red. Red is used a lot to denote the blood, of right. maybe the blood of the workers. But if red means beautiful, mm-hmm. or if those words. I was saying, so would you think that they used red for like, for communism to mean it is beautiful? Or is oh, it's a good question. Well, I don't know. I mean, does, does, does the red part originate from Russia? Because, like, we're, right. we're communists in Germany. Were they like, oh, Did they already scared? have it? Was it already red? I feel like red is, red is very much of the proletariat. Right. You know, blood, sweat, and tears. So, sure, sure. Um, something, something else interesting about uh, Ivan the Great is uh, he was sometimes referred to as czar. Which right. is from the Latin word of Caesar. There you go. There it is. You got boy Caesar, Czar, Kaiser. Mm-hmm. Um, those. That's it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. No, that's didn't know that. All right. So so uh, so you know, it looks like you know Ivan the Great. He's obviously great. Uh, but then you got Ivan the the fourth now, also known as Ivan the Terrible, steps into the scene. Um, some would say he's less great. Maybe even terrible. <laughs> uh, now, his life started off on the on the wrong foot. Okay, prior to his birth on August twenty fifth, fifteen thirty, his father uh, Vasily the third, the Grand Prince of Muscovy, was worried because he had no heir. If he stayed married to his current wife, he might die without a successor. I'm not quite sure. Perhaps um, maybe she was a bit of a beastly looking comely. She was more of a. I'm sure she was. Very nice, great sense of humor. <laughs> Good personality. <laughs> sure, but uh, it really didn't do it for our boy uh, Vasily. Now, is this what actually happened or what were... This is, of course, uh, historical speculation. <laughs> now, uh, now uh, deciding uh, not to take the chance of not having a successor, uh, Vasily disposed of his uh, first wife by sending her to a convent. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vasily's second wife bore him a son, Ivan. Uh, during his birth... Um, Moscow experienced a fearsome thunderstorm, and omens warned of troubles ahead. Uh, to the southeast, the wife of the Khan um, had thoughts of things to come and reportedly said this, A czar is born among you. Two teeth has he. With one he will devour us, but with the other you. Mm, wow. That's, that's... So, yeah. That is... Just foreshadowing. Yeah. You know, that is that is a far cry from a, a congrats, it's a boy card. I mean, that's... Yeah, these things always sound, like, so epic yeah. when you when you read history. But, you know, if anyone says them today, it's like, oh, you're just like... If someone's like, you're, you're like, well, if somebody said that about someone being born, like, well, that person's an asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah. As a monster. Talking yeah. about a baby. Everything sounds better, like, back, yeah. back then. Yeah. 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 We, we long for the past. <laughs> now, um, let's talk about Ivan as a child. So his father tragically died when he was three. 
He witnessed uh, horrible things done by the boyars, which are high-ranking nobles, including murders, beatings, uh, verbal and physical abuse regularly. Um, the boyars alternatively neglected or even molested him in some, uh, in some reports. Ivan and his deaf-mute brother Yuri often went about the day malnourished. Uh, Ivan took out his terrible frustrations on defenseless animals, which of course is a, a sign of antisocial behavior. Uh, it's actually one of the things of like future killers, usually is torturing animals. Oh. That's the thing. That's yeah, like, you, you always like, hear about that. Like psychologists will say, oh, yeah, they're torturing animals as a kid, they're going to grow up to be uh, serial killers. Why, and... why do they torture animals? Because they're defenseless? Yeah, so that's the whole mm. thing. They like that power. Yeah. I presume I am not a serial killer, so I can only, uh, from an outsider's perspective, mm -hmm. examine their uh, the inner workings of their sick minds. <laughs> Okay. Do you do this often? Or? I do think about it all the time. Um, he eventually uh, takes the throne at age 17 and exerts dominance over the boyars. In fact, the leader of the boyars was thrown to a pack of hungry hunting dogs. Ooh. All right. So, uh, Brendan, please, please uh, tell us about um, sort of the love uh, that Ivan the Terrible experienced. So Ivan marries um, Anastasia Romanovna. Mm-hmm. In 1547, and uh, the early part of Ivan's rule is deemed the good period. Uh, mm -hmm. The empire steadily grows; things are great because uh, Anastasia keeps Ivan sane and faithful. Right. So he was like this monster, and he falls in. This is the power of love, people. This is what it can do. There's hope um, for all but of you. Anastasia dies in August of 1560, uh, no. which leads to Ivan just losing it. Yeah, he bugs out. Uh, he believes her to have been poisoned, mm -hmm. and so he institutes a reign of terror that earned him the nickname Grozny, which in Russian means awesome, but it's more commonly translated as terrible. Really? So do you think he's actually Ivan the Awesome? As some, that sounds like some sort of like uh, that sounds, that surfer sounds... czar. <laughs> um, see, to me it sounds more uh, saintly, yeah. Ivan the Awesome. Yeah. Um, I like the terrible more. Yeah. <laughs> you do. You yeah, prefer I like, that sometimes. I prefer the terrible. Can we, can we just like sidetrack for a bit and yeah. like Anastasia Romanovna? I mean, yeah. Oh, she was boy. definitely hot. Oh, she has to be. Yeah. You can't be named Anastasia oh, yeah, and yeah. not be. And I think, it's, I think it's like that with a lot of the Russian female names. Mm -hmm. I mean, they all have like these great, mm -hmm. they, they're just, I, I don't know what it comes from, but it's like ingrained. All the names, Anna Karenina, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Catherine. <laughs> all those, all those super, names. Super. Well, I guess, uh, I guess Catherine. Uh, Nikita be... Khrushchev. Oh, yeah. Oh, sultry. She was, you know, she was something. <laughs> so, a question. So, you know, uh, circling back to, to Ivan the Terrible, you know, so like, he, he, he earns this nickname. I mean, if you were a czar, I mean, what would your nickname be? You would be Brandon the Aloof... Brendan, the the sad. Uh... Um, oh, that's a great question. Uh, I feel like I would like to be known as uh, Brendan, the most reasonable. The most reasonable. The most reasonable. Wow. The, the I, just. I the, don't. The, the just fine. I don't want a section of my Wikipedia profile that's like you know uh, scandals. Mm, sure. Uh, I don't want any of that. Like so. In that vein, what about what? What would you? What I'm would you going more with like maybe the pitied, <laughs> or the uh, the not as bad as you think. 
the tri- really, the trying his best. These aren't really names anymore. They're kind of just like sure. <laughs> things people say. Yeah, about. yeah. Well, that's how it starts. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's um let's 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 talk a little bit more about uh, about uh, Ivan. Um, let's talk more about his reign of terror. He uh, Ivan creates the Oprichnina, the secret police, uh, and these police are dressed in all black. Uh, they ride on black horses, and they have a dog and broom insignia. So, I have a question. When, when you're hired by someone named Ivan the Terrible, <laughs> you're dressed in all black on a black horse, and you have a scary dog face insignia, mm-hmm. you know you're a bad guy, right? <laughs> like, do you just think, like, I don't... Th- well, do, you, do you think you're one of the good guys, or, or what's going through your mind at that point? See, I don't think you think you're bad, because... If you're, you know, if you're trying to be a policeman in this time period, mm-hmm. I think, I feel like criminals back then were kind of, they were a little, they were, they were like, not like criminals today. They were tough guys. Police had to be tough. And did they have to did be, job. Did, did they have to be like marauding monsters on horseback? Well, we don't know exactly if they were monsters. This is, no. this is speculation. Well, Why, wh- how do you think they compared it to today's police? Um, well, I feel that, uh, black robes matter. Um, okay, so they have this, like, they have this dog and broom insignia. Yeah. The dog, I get. The dog is scary. The broom isn't scary. <laughs> the broom though. is not scary. What is the broom? They're dead? just cleaning up uh, justice. They're sweeping it up? Sweeping, sweeping justice under the rug. I feel like there's a better meaning to that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. We will discuss. I'm sure that it. Further episode. Is, of course, lost to history, is all yes. we can say. Alrighty. So uh, tell, us, tell us more about uh, Ivan. An argument about Ivan beating his son's wife, which possibly caused her miscarriage, ended with the Tsar accidentally killing his son in 1581 with a blow to the head. Now, I remember he, he like, despised his wife. He, he, uh, so Ivan the Terrible despised the wife of his son. Why did he know? Because, like, she would, like, make fun of him and, like, oh, kind of yeah. say, like, kind of, like, things like... Sort of snide remarks. He like apparently didn't like the way she dressed. What? I don't even know what she that's like. So, that's so weird. Like, I mean, from what understanding of sort of the uh, the attire of that time period, like what she like didn't cover up like her like neck or something. Like, what was the worst <laughs> thing she did? Uh, ridiculous. Um, Ivan himself died three years later during a game of chess. Oh boy, that's why I don't play chess. By the that's way. that's that's why it's checkmate. <laughs> yeah. The later discovery of high amounts of mercury in his mm. remains indicated that he died from poisoning. Um, Ivan the Ford's successor was his mentally enfeebled son, Fyodor, who left the actual business of government to his brother-in-law, Boris Godunov. Uh, shortly after Boris's death, a Polish-backed Catholic pretender arrived on the scene claiming to be Dmitri, another son of Ivan the Terrible. It's amazing. So actually, this guy, he, you know... You know, just waltzes in, says, "Yeah, I'm some son of I'm terrible. Just let me be." And it, I think he actually lasts for about a year. They eventually figure it out, and he gets killed. Oh man! Yeah. So what did he? What did he say to like to uh, to lock it up? Like, I don't how know. They, how do you can? Like, what do you? I feel like that'd be hard also for a Polish person. Yeah, I, like, I feel this happens a lot in history where somebody claims to be the the relative of somebody, so they'll be the next in line. But there's just like no way of proving it. So anybody could say anything, and I don't even know like how you think you're going to get away with it. Well, it's definitely easier back then, right? Like, no one knew like what was going on, right? Ever. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. So I wouldn't have the guts to do that. You think you could do that today? You think you can convince someone that they're your the, their family member? Uh, well, let's, say, let's take let's take a like somewhat wealthy family, yeah. um, wealthy family in New York City. Could you knock on their door and pretend to be the loneliest? Well, son? didn't this happen after oh, yeah. a war? It happens all the time. But this happened after what is it? Which war did this happen? Where people would say that they were claimed to be like the like sons of somebody that died. I think that happened war. after every war. Did it happen ever? Yeah. <laughs> that's just yeah. That's just what you do. Yeah, yeah. But that really happened, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. that was like a real deal thing. Yeah, it's definitely that's crazy. Happened. And you're just living with a new family, pretending yeah. to be somebody. Because I would screw up at, in like two days. I would forget <laughs> what name I said. Yeah, yeah. I, they would ask me like a question about like a memory as a child, and I'd be like, oh yeah. Well, you know, a lot of them, a lot of them say that they have had amnesia, so you know, that oh, that that takes the you know yeah, that yeah. takes the. But yeah, that's tough. I mean, it's tough. I would forget that I had amnesia. Is what I would do. I'd be like, oh yeah, I remember Thanksgiving when I was ten. Like, <laughs> so I oh, never celebrated Thanksgiving. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I meant. I, <laughs> I remember not celebrating it. <laughs> uh, so, who comes next in this line of of uh, of leaders in Russia? All right, this is my favorite. Like all so far, everyone was like kind of like like not super duper nice, but this is a good one. You got Peter the Great, born in sixteen seventy two. Uh, best known for his victory over the Swedes, uh, he dragged Russia kicking and screaming into Europe and made the country a major world power. Now, in 1696, Peter became Russia's sole ruler and embarked on a modernization campaign, symbolized by his fact-finding mission in Europe uh, in 1697 to 98, traveling incognito under the name Peter uh, Mikhailov. He, he still kept Peter as his name, so <laughs> not like that makes it that makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Like, yeah, because then, then it's like somebody is like, hey, Peter, and you don't have to remember some yeah, like, fake yeah. name. Right. Which, ah, see, that's what I would do if, so I, would just be, if, I, if I were to, you know, pretend to be some uh, a dead soldier. You'd have to find a family who had a, a son named Andrew. I wouldn't even have thought of that. I would have just said my name is Andrew and I'm your son. <laughs> it's like, we don't have a son named Andrew. Like, oh. It's like, oh, man. <laughs> this is backfired. Uh, <laughs> now, um, now, um, now, Peter learned about shipbuilding in Holland, met with fellow rulers in Prussia, the Netherlands, England, Austria, and Poland. Um, he had this, like, ragtag crew, which included dwarves. Apparently, he loved dwarves and kept many around at a time. He was even known to have a naked dwarf uh, jump out of a giant pie for his amusement. So, I don't know, this is some sort of a bachelor party idea. Mm-hmm. Um, for uh, for you, for you uh, listeners out there, something to think about um, in honor of Peter the Great. Um, now, uh, sadly, uh, Peter died in 1725 without naming a successor. Um, I think actually what even happened, like he like wrote a letter like on his deathbed saying like, uh, give my empire to, and then like, doesn't finish oh, it. Oh, classic. Yeah. I imagine he wrote the sentence and like, put that last word off for like months. Mm. And I don't think he was just mid-sentence writing it. Did you ever think about sort of your, uh, what you'd write like on your deathbed? Like what, a letter or something? I would hope I would ha- not have to write much. Because you'll be uh, nope. so uh, in- incapacitated that you wouldn't be able yeah, to just be, be or, or <laughs> aware of your surroundings. No, I would hope that I had said my piece. Uh-huh. Uh, someone famous once said that uh, last words are for fools who have not said said enough did they say that on their deathbed i think that was the last thing they said oh, yeah. wow. i think that was uh i admit that may have been marks 
Really? Karl Marx. Oh. Or I might be making Gra- it up. Groucho Marx, perhaps. Maybe it could have been Groucho Marx. He's a little, yeah. The sassier of the two. Right. Now, um... So, yeah, so unfortunately he, he didn't name a successor, but his wife Catherine, a former servant and one-time mistress of the Tsar's right-hand man Alexander uh, Menshkinov, became the first woman to rule imperial Russia. She blazed a path for other women, including her daughter Elizabeth and later Catherine the Great. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Catherine the Great. Catherine the Great, she was the most renowned and the longest ruling female leader of Russia reigning from 1762 until her death in 1796 at the age of 67. Under her reign, Russia expanded its territories and modernized, following the lead of Western Europe. Catherine and her husband had a rocky marriage from the start. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Eight years passed without a child. Mm -hmm. Some historians believe Peter was unable to consummate the marriage, he was described to be very immature and played with toy soldiers in bed. Yeah, so he was just basically like a man boy sort of thing. He just he wasn't Ooh, he wasn't looking to get down. That's tough. Yeah, um, he did weird stuff like he like hung like a rat, like uh, with like a little noose that he made and said he hung him for committing treason. Like he was just so he's he's, he's, he's mentally disturbed. I don't know if it was. I just think he was just underdeveloped. Uh, in a maturity sense. He could have just been very sheltered as a child. Wait, so do we know if she was like, huh? I mean, I, mean, I think the theme uh, thus far, uh, aside from Anastasia, uh, she was a powerful woman. Okay, she wore yes. pantsuits, right. shoulder pads, <laughs> she was the boss. She wore none of those, but uh, she <laughs> definitely was the boss. Um, so desperately unhappy in their married lives, Peter and Catherine began... Uh, extramarital affairs with Sergei oh, yeah. Saltikov. Who sounds way hotter. Oh, yeah, yeah. This dude sounds hot. He's a Russian military officer, oh, which makes him, I mean, swoon. I am swimming in it. Uh, some believe uh, Sergei to be the true father of her son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, can we just talk about these names? Like, everyone's the great. Yeah, that's easy enough. I mean, no oh. one's the mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, Is that because Russians, uh, they naturally look up to their leaders uh, and don't criticize the leaders. Well, the question is, is this a selection bias? Are we only talking about the greats because they're great? You know, Vladimir the whatevs. Are, yeah, are we yeah. talking about no, him? No, definitely not. No, I mean, I actually would like to talk about him. It's very fascinating to learn the, the life and history of <laughs> Vladimir the whatevs. Yeah. Let's skip ahead a bit in the history of Russia. Let's, Let's talk about forward. the rise of Marxism. Oh, yeah. So, uh, when this happens, we meet your boy, mm-hmm. Vladimir Lenin, mm-hmm. who is better known uh, as Lenin. Mm-hmm. The fourth Beatle. And his faction came to be known as the Bolsheviks, which means members of the majority. What are the members of the minority? The, the Mensheviks. The Mensheviks. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Do What do they do? Do they do anything? Oh, they just do like minority stuff. Yeah, yeah sure. So. Minority reports. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Good. All right. So now, you know, the, the climates are changing, you know, um, there's a lot of shifting in power. Um, but, you know, who steps onto the scene next is uh, sort of the uh, Chris Angel of Russia. That's right. Gregory Rasputin. All right. Um, so Tsar Nicholas II um, became a puppet of his strong-willed eccentric wife, Alexandra. 
who herself fell under the spell of the Siberian mystic Rasputin. Mm. He Can't was, blame her. Oh, yeah. He, his eyes are, are mesmerizing. Are okay? Have you seen photos of him? I have seen him. him. Yeah, yeah. He looks, uh, yeah. He looks like he's out of a uh, like death metal video. He does, or sort of um, Charles... He has a sort of a Charles Manson charm about him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so... He was uh, born in a Siberian village in 1869, uh, just in the middle of nowhere, just like a nowhere town. But apparently he experienced a vision of the virgin while working in the fields in his mid-twenties and left his village to seek enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sort of a life-changing event. Coming of age yeah, story. There should be some sort of a, maybe like a, a, a rom-com about his life where he uh, ventures into the big city looking for love in all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. Now, on his wanderings, uh, he came to believe that uh, sinning, especially through sex, then repenting could bring people close to God. That is ve- a very convenient philosophy. <laughs> I will say that. Oh, much. so you're saying he uh, he is in favor of the sinning and, and then yeah, repenting. Yeah, because repent it's, it's forcing to get to the repentance. Oh, Do right. the sin so you can repent. Is it just sex? I think that was favored amongst uh, mm. other things. I mean, what? What's another one? What you're gonna uh, uh, stealing some bread? Or uh, what are you gonna say the Lord's name in vain? Uh, I mean, come on. What do you even get out of that? Yeah. Um. So, um. Now he was. Uh, he was eventually uh, through his popularity summoned by Tsaritsa Alexandra. Uh, and seemed able, thanks to some kind of hypnotic power, to halt the uncontrollable bleeding of her hemophiliac son, Zarevich Alexei, uh, their heir to the throne. So basically, Zarevich, he had this awful condition of hemophilia. Uh, nobody could cure it. They had all these kinds of doctors and everybody trying to do it. Um, she hears about uh, Rasputin and his powers and what he can do. He he uh, he was, apparently, the, the boy did stop bleeding and he was cured. And there's no explanation as to how that happened. So scientifically, they don't know what could have possibly cured him? No. Mm. No. So. I mean, what, often in these situations where there is no scientific explanation and the mystery remains, uh, usually it's because that story never happened. Mm. And that's really all that <laughs> okay. it was. That's often the best explanation. Uh, but that's what rose uh, him to uh, popularity. And he kind of sort of was, uh, was uh, tight with the uh, Zaritsa at that point. Was this his only miracle? Yeah. Like, what are the things that he did? Was he just a one one hit wonder? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, like, I wonder, did anybody else, like, be like, oh, my son also has hemophilia? Like, yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, he's just like, I gotta do some more uh, stuff with this. It's a long <laughs> list. I uh, got a lot of errands. That's that's the problem with the with faith faith healers. Yeah. Like, so that's like he never did it again. Yeah. Like so, all these kids are like suffering from like hemophilia, and mm-hmm. they're just like, he's just like, I'll get around to it. Yeah. yeah. Resting on his laurels. Yeah. Well, much I mean, much like the real Chris Angel, I'll be honest, not a fan. <laughs> Uh, now, Rasputin's influence on the imperial family grew to the point where he could make or break the careers of ministers and generals. He became increasingly unpopular, and many scapegoated him for uh, Russia's disastrous performance in World War One. Um, and uh, in 1916, Prince Felix Yusupov and others hatched an assassination plot. However, he survived poisoning, several shots, and, beat, and a beating, uh, all in one evening, and apparently he died only when drowned in by river so like wow. he's, he like survived all this crazy stuff um and eventually like they were able to kill him through drowning but like yeah he was getting like 
shot at, poisoned, all kinds of stuff. Uh, he was uh, invincible. That's really impressive because I feel like I would have died just running away from the initial poisoning yeah. Oh, yeah. attempt. So let's move on to the uh, Valley of Death, which are uh, some giant cauldrons in Siberia. Um, in 1853, a Russian Siberian explorer in northwest Siberia found metal cauldrons sunk into the ground. He reported eerie sounds vibrating through the object. The area was not reached again until 1936, but upon reaching the location, the Russian expeditionary force could only make drawings of the objects because their camera gear was adversely affected by radiation that was surrounding the cauldron. So, so have you heard about this? I had not, you... not heard about this, no. So some are speculating that there is, you know, it always comes down to this, some extraterrestrial mm -hmm. origin to this. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, it probably is not. Okay. Because uh, I feel like there are a lot of places on the globe where the uh, the radiation and the uh, electromagnetic waves are mm -hmm. warped a bit because mm -hmm. they're just weird parts yeah. of the Earth. That's the whole thing with the Bermuda Triangle, right? Yeah. It's just a odd. Yeah, place. this wouldn't be the most impressive alien thing. I mean, this yeah. this isn't exactly pyramids. And what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what what what's in the cauldrons too? Is this just like lava? Like, Russian stuff. Russians. Yeah. <laughs> Siberians, just like. Yeah. Drinking chai. Sure. sure. Um, oh, more interesting, uh, interesting though, is uh, have you ever heard of the uh, uh, the Tunguska event? Yeah, the Tunguska event is very interesting. On 30th of June, 1908, an explosion ripped through the air above a remote forest in Siberia near the Pakamenaya Tunguska River. Uh, so this explosion uh, was theorized to, it was, was theorized to be in the realms of something nuclear or something mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you know hydrogen yeah bomb i mean obviously they didn't know this back in 1908 that they would be creating those weapons but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this basically leveled miles and miles and miles of land and uh the way that the earth was um was uh transformed you could they could tell there was an obvious epicenter yeah as if something exploded right in the middle so there are some theories about what happened here so one of the theories is uh a small comet or asteroid collided with Earth's mm -hmm. atmosphere. Uh, collision with a miniature black hole or yeah. a piece of antimatter. Uh, okay, that's getting a little bit crazy, but okay. Or, or uh, of course, there is the or a UFO. Oh, well, you can never rule that out. Yeah, I feel like that's like the weakest one though. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on to um, some political unrest. It's about that time. Um, let's talk about the October Revolution. On October 24th, 1917, Bolshevik workers and soldiers seized government buildings and arrested the Provisional Government, uh, which was meeting in the Winter Palace, which sounds lovely. Um, imagine the ballroom is just mm, yeah. glorious and romantic. Uh, soon after, a Provisional Government was formed, uh, headed by Lenin with Leon Trotsky and Commissar for Foreign Affairs, and the... The unknown little Georgian boy, Joseph Stalin, as Commissar for Nationalities in charge of policy for all non-Russians in the former empire. He actually was a little, little Georgian boy. He was, he? he was five foot four. Was he really? Yeah. Wow. And he, uh, he hated, supposedly hated um, meeting with foreign dignitaries because he just couldn't, you know, hide his height. Right. So he used to be sitting a lot, uh, which yeah. you just, you know, you just never sure, know. But sure, sure, Yeah, so maybe there's sure, something never. to that. The yeah, fact that he was, you know, so be. short. He couldn't have worn any type of high heels or anything? Uh, not during that time. Right, because with that, yeah. with the mustache, you would think yeah. uh, he was of a different there's lifestyle. There's other, other connotations. Sure, sure, which is fine. I don't care. 
Now, in March, the Bolshevik Party renamed itself the Communist Party and moved the capital to Moscow. Um, forced uh, food requisitions and hostility towards larger, more efficient farmers, combined with drought and a breakdown of infrastructure, led to the enormous famine of 1920 to 21 when between four and five million people died. So Ooh, that's, cl- that's classic. What's, yeah. what's crazy about Russia, right, is that basically in this era, like the tiniest, like most boring land reform, like will result in like 1.8 million deaths that's, overnight. Is this because... Just from like famine. Is this because it's so difficult to uh, grow things in Russia? Like I think, every, yeah, it's just like everything is in like a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. Like you, like you change like one law and like... A whole region dies yeah. immediately. So it's a food chain. Yeah. So um, Lenin died, sadly. Right. He's that's sad, right? Do we like Lenin or not like Lenin? Um, we respect Lenin, mm-hmm. I think, a bit. I mean, what really sort of tarnishes Lenin's uh, reputation is, you know, what happens after his death. Right. Right. Things things start to get a little wacky. Yeah, tacky. it gets a little wild, right? But here's the thing. So he he dies in 1924. His embalmed remains were put on display in Moscow, much sort of like how Walt Disney had a sort of a... Did he have the same sort of a... I thought that they... He got his uh, remains cryogenically frozen. Was he frozen or embalmed and on display? In I'm some sort pretty of a, sure a, that a Disney he, ride or something. Well, he definitely was not on a, His remains are definitely not on a Disney okay. ride. Okay. So we know that. So we've clarified that. I believe that there's a rumor that he was cryogenically frozen, yeah. but... I believe that's been debunked. Right. I think he was just buried like every like most other people. Mm. Yeah. Now Lenin had failed to name a successor, and ex- had expressed a low opinion of what he's called the too rude style. Oh yeah, rude boy. So yeah, yeah. So even Lenin was not feeling. Strong. Yeah, no. He, I, I believe that he, mm. he actually told people like, whatever happens, like Stalin cannot lead mm. this country. Mm. But what happens, Stalin succeeds in getting Trotsky, his main rival, expelled in 1927. Oh, shoot. Uh, a drought... So, so Lenin actually could not be rolling around in his grave because he's sort of he's, embalmed yeah, he, in a, in a yeah. centerpiece. I mean, really display. nobody can be rolling around right. in his grave. Um, <laughs> right. But Stalin is... Uh, Stalin, of course, is pretty interesting. Um, he, as you said, was of Georgian extraction. Mm-hmm. Um, his real name was Joseph Jugashvili. Uh-huh. Um, and the, the, the name Stalin he took, because it means, uh, it's from the Russian word for steel. Oh, really? And it means man of steel. Ooh, so Russian. he's like Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, wow. He was, he was, he like knew exactly what he was doing. Wow. Um, interesting thing about Stalin, uh, we had talked before about, um, I believe it was Ivan the Terrible's wife uh-huh. who died. And after that he became like totally crazy. Yeah. And um, early in Stalin's life, he was married to this woman, Svetlana. And when she died, I think of typhoid or one of those, oh, yeah. one of those, one of those guys. Yeah, that was a very uh, a la mode. Um, when she died of typhoid, mm-hmm. he said that you know the last bit of humanity in his heart had gone. Oh wow! So from then on, this is where like the movie really gets good. Yeah. Or, well, it doesn't get good, but for uh, the yeah, benefit of uh, it picks up. the viewers, it picks up Steve. Yeah. Um, it gets pretty uh, interesting. Um, so let's skip ahead to uh, 1932 and 33. Uh, a drought and continuing grain requisitions led to famine. Always, another famine, always. Uh, in which millions of people perished. This is the whole century, by the way. This yeah, is yeah. what happens every day. Right. 
<laughs> Millions of people die from famine. Speaking of um, famine and, and bad things, let's talk about the gulags. Mm, which sounds like a kind of a dessert, like a Russian dessert. Like, see, oh, I'll have the gulag after. Uh, see, it doesn't sound like a dessert to me. It sounds more like a, it sounds more like a hearty stew. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's delicious. Uh, the gulag uh, is a key labor force was provided by the network of concentration camps begun under Lenin and now called the gulag from the initial letters of Glavnoi Upravlenie Lagare. Did you know that? I had no idea that it was actually like that. Uh, no. yeah, that's crazy. Which means... The main administration for camps. Yeah. Wow, that's that's less menacing. Yeah, I really. Mean. Yeah. It like sounds kind of fun, like yeah. camps. It's just like oh, it's, it's just like the headquarters of like just like some camps. Yeah, and, like, yeah. You know, maybe that's like where you they can print out the applications to sign up for the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, but sadly, when your camp counselor is Joseph Stalin, you're not canoeing. <laughs> no, you certainly are not. <laughs> There's some good reading on the Gulag. Um, uh, many readers will be familiar with the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who was an actual uh, prison, prisoner there. Pretty good book. Gives you lots of insights into uh, the inner workings and uh, one of the classics of Russian literature. Okay. If well, you're so inclined. There, there, that's a long reading list. All right. I'm already, I'm already at like 2,000 pages in the hole with, yeah. with uh, Russian literature. So, the Cold War was shaping up between the communist and capitalist worlds. Stalin dies in 1953. And in 1956, Nikita Khrushchev made a secret speech about crimes committed under Stalin. And this is essentially the beginning of de-Stalinization. So uh, the name Nikita Khrushchev, when I first heard that name, I was like, oh, this is a, a sexy uh, Russian supermodel. It is by no means any of that. Probably one of the least attractive world <laughs> yes, leaders yes, ever. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Um, so uh, this de-Stalinization is happening. Um, and uh, the USSR and the U.S. in the late 1950s uh, was undermined by a series of international crises. Uh, in 1961, uh, Berlin was divided by the wall to stop an exodus from East Germany. Uh, now, in 1962, the USSR supplied its uh, Caribbean ally, Cuba, with defensive weapons, effectively stationing medium-range uh, missiles with nuclear capability on the doorstep of the U.S. This is the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting, one of, the, one, of the, one of the things of the Cuban Missile Crisis is that the U.S., uh, being a bit cheeky, yep. as always, sure, sure. Uh, had missiles pointed at Russia yep. uh, oh, wow. in Turkey. And one of the, the agreements they had settled on in the Cuban Missile Crisis was like, the, US, the USSR was said that, okay, we'll take the missiles out of... Uh, Cuba, but you have to take the missiles out of, I think it was Turkey. Yeah. Or it might have been Poland. Sure. And of course, the U.S. Uh, no. Didn't, no dice. Didn't do it. Nope. Sorry. That's your boy, uh, I believe, I guess that was JFK at JFK. that time. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, JFK yeah. and RFK, they were, did, uh, they were doing all their meddling and all that yeah. stuff. Right, right, yeah. right. Well, no wonder the Russians shot them. Okay, so, um, so now... Uh, the, the next, uh, uh, major event in the Cold War is the space race. So the Cold War rivalry between the U.S. and the USSR, um, uh, to be the first to send rocket satellites and people into outer space, um, happened. The successful launch of satellite Sputnik, uh, into orbit in 1957 was followed by Yuri Gagarin's historic trip in 1961. Uh, now, Brendan, do you think this, uh, you know, this, the space race, do you think this was the sort of impetus... Um, to have, uh, of course, faked the moon landing. 
Is um, that a slanted question? <laughs> um, was it the impetus? Uh, in a way, I mean, like, we, you know, you're trying to one up the Russians. Right, right, right. What's next? Like, uh, we've got some, we've, we've got these great directors. Um, yeah. Can we pull uh, off? What, was it Coop, Stanley Kubrick? It was Kubrick? Stanley Kubrick who, sure, sure. who um, he filmed the moon landing. Um, <laughs> sure, sure. So, um, and it turned out great. Like, yeah, you know, it looked good. Uh, it looked good. You know, I actually heard that they actually filmed it on location. Yeah, oh. So they, really, <laughs> yeah, they just think it was easier that which, way. Which location? The moon. On the moon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's just easier. So what do you think about all this? What do you think of this craziness? So what, what, what are your thoughts on this? the, the moon landing theories? Uh, I mean, the moon landing theories are so crazy because all you have to really do is like point to Russia. Russia, yeah. USSR never said that they had faked it. Yeah. Because like wouldn't your main rival be chomping at the bit to show evidence that it was faked? Yeah. Because it's like, doesn't that just invalidate everything? Because yeah. yeah. then, because then, if you like, if you go down that route, we were like, oh, the USSR and like the US were in cahoots. It's like, well, then like everything's fake. so then nothing was real. So like, nothing, like, is, literally nothing is real. But it's so crazy because they'll like talk about well, the flag didn't move in the right way, or or like sometimes you'll like read something about it and they're like, well, well this, you know, it's like physics states that this couldn't happen, and then like you look up the most basic thing of physics and like, well, yeah, of course that's that could happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course, uh, like that's how it would look. So it's totally just like it's invalidated instantly. It's just like they make a claim, and if you just look it up, like you go like the shallowest mm-hmm. research will already debunk it. Even if someone was like found the found the, the original footage was like this whole thing's fake. Like yeah. the U.S. government would just be embarrassed for like yeah. oh two weeks. Oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, then, yeah. Because like they've done <laughs> other stuff that was a lot crazier. The, the other thing is just knowing uh, sort of the way Stanley Kubrick works. You know, he's very detail oriented. That I think maybe they started filming it and like faking it and making it, and just because of his increasing demands for perfection, within that time they just. Flew to the moon and back, and, oh, it's, and, and then just did it anyway. Oh yeah, it's like <laughs> he's just like I need like five more years to work on this, please. You know, I know the U.S. and and the USSR were butting heads this whole time, mm-hmm. but I get kind of this warm feeling around the space race. Yeah, because uh, there was a lot of like um, I don't want to say information sharing, but there was a lot of mutual respect. Yeah, between the two sides, like when um, when the astronauts did go on the moon, they left a plaque. Um, and which had the names of all the fallen cosmonauts. Whoa, that was nice. Uh, so that, that was really that. nice. I'll the, give them that. Because there was a lot of, uh, you know, obviously a lot of, there were some cosmonauts who died, uh, you know, some astronauts who died. So, you know, it's, it's very, it's just like a glimmer of humanity in the um, bitter chill of the Cold Now, War. did it mention, of course, the, uh, the first dog in space who did die? I don't know if I don't know. Do if, you know the name? Laika. Yeah, Laika. Yeah. First dog in space, tragically uh, passed on uh, while in uh, in outer space. Mm-hmm. So you know, I literally imagine like a dog with just like a, <laughs> a glass like helmet thing and just like running around. What? And like his tail has like a little ring around it too, just mm-hmm. to make it more futuristic. Did you ever hear that story about the cosmonaut who was re-entering the who? Something happened in, in his uh, spaceship, uh, spaceship, his uh, his craft, and there was no way he was going to survive coming back to Earth. Like he was going to burn to a crisp, Whoa. and he knew that when he was coming back to the atmosphere, like he Whoa. knew he was going to die. Whoa. And he was cursing and like just like 
cursing everything about his country and like the people who sent him up there. He wow. was like crying. Wow. And um, I think that, that by the funeral, way, that's pretty much me. Uh, one of my great adventure. Just, <laughs> just so you know, you're, you've set different um, <laughs> sort of uh, points for yourself in terms of things that are challenging. But anyway, uh, he, I believe he had an open casket funeral. Oh wow! And if you ever look at pictures of it, it's just a like crisp. Oh my! Like God. his body is like a burnt crisp. Wow. And I don't know why that was done. I think maybe, maybe his mother did that um, to. But uh, it's interesting. Like, could you could you imagine like reentering the atmosphere, knowing you're going to die? That's crazy. I mean, it's one thing because it's kind of epic. Yeah. Dying that way, but yeah, no. How many people have died that way? Well, what would you say? What would your be like on your way down through the atmosphere? I don't even think I could say any words. Yeah, I would just sort of like combine curse words and screaming and like. I'd have like poop in my hands, you know, just sort of the usual. How would the... It's the usual, okay? <laughs> That's the usual. <laughs> uh, so let's move on, all right? So let's, uh, let's, you know, going back to the Cold War. So Eastern European countries um, you know, threw off their Soviet puppet regimes in the autumn of 1989. Uh, the Berlin Wall famously fell on November 9th. Um, and the formal reunification of Germany on October 3rd, 1990, marked uh, the end of the Cold War. So uh, let's talk about some other, um, you know, interesting things. You know, this, this was a tumultuous time. This is a, um, you know, this is a very uh, interesting, you know, few decades at the end of the century. So tell us some, you know, th there was this interesting story about a, a sort of a family in Siberia. Um, yeah, this is a great, this is like, this is a great story. It's about the Lykov family. In 1978, a Russian family was found after 42 years in complete isolation from human society in Siberia, uh, never having heard of electricity, no modern uh, conveniences, no appliances. They were out there for 42 years just doing their thing in Siberia. Wow. They had initially fled due to religious persecution. They were old believers, uh, which are members of a fundamentalist Russian Orthodox sect, Worshipping in a style unchanged since the 17th century. Old believers have been had been persecuted since the days of Peter the wow. Great. Wow, that's crazy. So what would you, like, I mean, imagine you never saw technology or electronics or anything. Like, what do you even think? Like, I always wondered that. Like, what what if you, like, see a TV for the first time? Do you think that's a real person? It's like, how do you interpret that? I think I'd be scared. I'd be going I'd be crazy. Really scared. Yeah. I'd be crying. I mean, it's like, it's like if, we had, if we see alien technology yeah. today and, you know, just, like, flying uh pods and uh i don't know all, I, the, all the other alien technology we've uh, seen, sure, sure. Uh, i don't know i feel at this point there's nothing that would surprise i feel like i can imagine things like conceptually i can imagine the most futuristic craziest thing but i feel there was a period where you couldn't even conceptualize like a tv right, i mean right. is there something that we're not conceptualizing that would totally blow us away now i think for sure but if so what is it <laughs> Things like, things like, you know, a teleportation device. I think is something yeah. that yeah. I don't know. I, I can imagine it, and if I saw it, I'd be like, okay, that's well, that's what I imagined it was. I guess so. Yeah. But a TV, no one imagined a TV. You think they imagined a TV? A TV is is more imaginable. I think. Really. Yeah. I, mean, I guess it's a picture. It's like, it's like it's just, just a moving picture. It's a moving picture. Yeah. Sure. It's a photograph. It's like a flip book. Yeah. Okay. Of. All right. I think, uh, but I mean, 
if you were living in isolation back like that, I mean, I don't think. I mean, how long would it take you to adapt to that, to a new life, a new world? Would you feel stupid if you were in that situation? Like, would you actually feel like an inferior person? No, because it's not your fault. Like, why would you be stupid? Like, I just wasn't there. Sorry. That's true. Yeah, I don't care. I don't know. I'm... I mean, I feel stupid just generally, but not because of something. I wouldn't feel stupid something like that. Mm. I, doing this 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 show, I feel stupid. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that's fascinating. So so let's talk about sort of the, the 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 next era, this end of the Soviet Union that comes up next. In June 1991, Boris Yeltsin was voted president of the Russian Republic in the country's first ever direct presidential elections. He demanded devolution of power from the Soviet Union to the republics and banned the Communist Party's cells from government offices. On December 8th, Yeltsin announced that the USSR no longer existed. Wow. It's gone. I actually remember that. I remember when, like, when maps used to say USSR, and then when that changed. Yeah. It was so weird. I, I, when I was younger, I never knew what USSR even meant. Yeah, I had no idea. It was just, like, a big place. Yeah, yeah. It was just, like, the part of the map that you just, like, it was just one big blob. Right. I remember uh, when you played Street Fighter, um, mm. uh, the video game yeah. Zangief was from the USSR. Oh, uh, yeah. He uh, he represented his country very well. <laughs> God bless him. All right. Um, let's move on to uh, to to the modern modern day modern greats. Uh, Vladimir Putin, mm-hmm. someone you may have heard of. Uh, he was Yeltsin's appointed successor. He swept to victory in the March 2000 presidential elections. Uh, Dmitry Medvedev became president in 2008, but Putin um, had really still been pulling the strings. Uh, he was reelected in 2012, but the victory was dawed by widespread allegations of vote rigging and corruption. And that was the last you ever heard of Putin, vote rigging, and corruption ever again. Well, Brendan, that, uh, of course, uh, brings us to the, uh, to the end. It's time to uh, tear down this wall of history. And... Um, <laughs> And, uh, and end the uh, brief time of history segment. So let's take a break and uh, we will be back. All right. This brings us to the four Fs of cultural survival. Fiction, film, food, and funk. So, Brendan, tell us about the great masterful fiction of Russia. Okay. So um, let's start with Fyodor Dostoevsky. Mm-hmm. Um uh, one of his most famous books was Crime and Punishment. Oh, yeah. Uh, mired in poverty, the student Raskolnikov nevertheless thinks well of himself. Of his pawnbroker, he takes a different view, and deciding to do away with her, he sets in motion his own tragic downfall. Oh. Now, did you read this one? I did not read this one. Yeah, yeah. No. It's too long. Too long. Too <laughs> they're long. All, they're all kind of long. Right? Yeah, they're a, bit, they're a bit... Well, there's not much to do in Russia. So you just kind of sit <laughs> you in write your cell novels. in the gulags and read your life away. Uh, now, uh, Dostoevsky himself, he was a, a dissident and he was banished to Siberia. Is that correct? So he had a harsh life. I think... I feel like they all had harsh lives, yeah, even if they sure. were... Someone like Leo Tolstoy, who was actually uh, somewhat well off. Yeah, he's put the Tolstoy family is uh, has some wealth. So tell us about uh, another great author, Leo Tolstoy. Leo Tolstoy, uh, he wrote um, the two biggest rock ballads, uh, sure. "War and Peace" 
And Anna Karenina. Now, I always get War and Peace and Crime and Punishment confused. Oh. Does that mean I'm stupid? Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, War and Peace is a vast epic centered on Napoleon's war with Russia. Anna Karenina is a tragedy about a woman who violates the rigid sexual code of her time. Now, you've read these. I've read Anna Karenina. War and Peace is a bit heavy for me. It is. Literally. It's actually a heavy book. It's actually a heavy book. Yes. Haven't gotten into it. Anna Karenina is great. Uh, Why? Why? What do you like about it? Uh, this, the characters are pretty captivating. Um, the story in itself is uh, interesting. It's a moving story. Um, Anna Karenina was really written as like a serial in a newspaper. Uh-huh. So every week, or maybe it was every day, I don't even know, he would write more. So there's a lot of just like stuff in there, which doesn't really affect the main plot but i mean it's it's interesting it's uh you know i guess i guess authors like to put in um some dressings to their to their book to to, uh, illustrate uh the settings that they've created so would you say this is one of the best novels of all time i would say that but i haven't read many uh, Mm. uh, much classic literature but it's 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 uh, routinely on the the top well, list. Yeah, I mean, if if I were to only judge the best novels by the ones I've read, then the best novel of all time is like a fourth grade level story of Robin Hood that I didn't even finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a so. I mean, but I think this is regarded as as one of the greats. Yeah, the same with uh, War and Peace, Crime and Punishment, uh, Brothers Karamazov. Uh, from Dostoevsky. Yep. Um, uh, what, I think I read, uh, what did I read? The short, uh, only a short story of Dostoevsky. And I think, was it? Um, it was uh, the, the Death, Death of, of Ivan, Ivan Ilyich. Ilyich. So I thought the, the title was The Dying Village, just because I can't understand words. Um, but I think it was about, it was about, a, 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 it was like an old man who was maybe well-to-do, didn't really have much of a family, and he was dying. And the only person that really showed him compassion uh, was his servant, who would like raise his legs for him and do all kinds of things. It was, it was to show this compassion of the servant, where I think like the people around in his life were not as caring, mm. and uh, that is what it's about. So that sounds like a nice Sunday read. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, yeah, Russia. Russia's got a lot of they got a lot of great authors. Um, there's Pushkin, mm-hmm. famous poet. Sergei Esenin, also another famous poet. Uh, Anton Chekhov, the playwright. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that was it. I think that was all they got. That was it. That's everybody. Yeah. Huh? That's the whole gang. All right. Well, now let's... Well, no, they had, you know, they had uh, Bulgakov. Sure. I was, about, I was about to say the, it. The Master and Margarita, that... which is a really great book. Um it has some elements of magical realism, mm-hmm. which I know you're a big fan of. Big, big time. Um, yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit different. Great book. Well, that's 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 uh, quite a list. So I encourage our uh, listeners to uh, get started. Start with the big ones first, and uh, work your way down. That's my advice for reading. Uh, it's a challenging task, but it is worth it. So let's talk about something easier than reading: film. Uh, <laughs> Uh, let's start off with a Circus, uh, produced in 1936. Uh, the hit musical was a typical of the kind of propaganda movies, which are my favorite, uh, were forced to carry uh, at the height of Stalinism, uh, less of my favorite. Uh, the plot concerns an American circus artist hounded out 
of the U.S. because she has a black baby, she finds both refuge and love, of course, in the Soviet Union. Don't we mm. all? Don't yeah, we all? yeah. To Russia with love. Certainly. Now, uh, another film, The Last Station, 2009, is based on the novel by Jay Perini. This film is about the last year of Leo Tolstoy's life, which I imagine was an uproarious laughter, as you'd expect. <laughs> this was a comedy. I would hope so. I'd hope so. Um, there is another uh, very famous movie called The Battleship Potomkin. Oh, yeah? Which uh, I believe was by Sergei Eisenstein. Um can't say that I remember what it was about. I'm sure it was about some type of ship. Sure. In the ocean. Yeah, sure. In the ocean, naturally. Yeah, it's natural. Um, uh, but I know that uh, that is studied, much studied in film schools. Uh, um, it was a propaganda piece, I believe. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, yes, there are lots of filmmakers who have derived inspiration from that film. Wow. And um, we will... Certainly, watch it one day. One one of these days. After I gotta get through what crime and crime and peace, all this other stuff. I got a whole laundry list. Okay, so just give me yeah. some time. Yeah, just give me a break. Okay, yeah. all right. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the the tasty delights, the food of Russia. Um, what 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 is our uh, international lounge recommendation? Okay, so the recommendation is in Moscow. The uh, restaurant is called Varni. Varenichnaya number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, this old school Varenichnaya does it right with books lining the walls, old movies in the black and white television, and Cold War era prices. The menu features tasty, filling Vareniki and Pelmini, which are different kinds of dumplings, with sweet and savory fillings. Mm. That sounds nice in a, a cold oh, Muscovite yeah. uh, oh. winter's night. Oh, yes, yes. A, de- a delicious gulag on the, the tip of your tongue. Mm-hmm. Surely, uh, now <laughs> let's uh, let's 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 go into our last segment, Brendan, and that is of course funk, the music, the rhythm of Russia. Now you can't talk about uh, music and Russia without talking about Pyotr Tchaikovsky from eighteen forty to ninety three. Uh, among his uh, famous pieces are the ballet's Swan Lake and the Nutcracker. Uh, the romantic beauty of these pieces uh, bellies a tragic side to the composer who led a tortured life as a closeted homosexual. Uh, the rumor mill has it that uh, rather than dying of cholera, as reported, he committed suicide uh, by poisoning himself uh, following a trial by his peers about his sexual behavior. So great man, genius, but uh, sort of tortured uh, with this. Um, uh, which is how I know I'm not a genius, because I have no torturings. I don't have these uh, these struggles. Great art requires uh, suffering. Yeah. So yeah. consider yourself lucky that you're pretty uh, just unremarkable. N- nothing in either direction, mm. which is fantastic. Uh, fantastic life. Now, Brendan, I want to uh, uh, close out this episode as we land into the uh, the icy uh, Siberian tundra. <laughs> I want to close with this uh, with this uh, folk song, and, and and what do we have uh, for our listeners? This song is called "Nashi Litsa" by Noel. <laughs> Oh!
как столбы Наши взгляды словно пробки Не давай на еды Наши кости арматура Наше мясо такие 